Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and we love to amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful and even compelling. So I'm super excited to introduce to you today, Sonia Zeladon. Sonia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Honored to be here. Well, listen, I know a little bit about you, but my listeners don't. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, Sonia Zeladon here. I am currently at the Hershey Company and I run their privacy and compliance programs. I Before that, I was at Nokia Corporation and I was regional counsel for the Americas there. I, um, I'm also really heavily involved in the Hispanic National Bar Association. I currently serve as the HMBA General Counsel. And previous to that, I was the co-chair of uh, La Latina Commission, which is a commission that was established for, uh, you know, to study the reasons why we don't have um, a huge representation in the, in the Latina community of lawyers. So the commission was established to kind of understand and study and increase uh, the pipeline of um, women of Latinas in particular, but also women of color in the law. Interesting. I think I saw that recently. Um, I have it on my research page on my website. Wonderful. You do great work. Well, let me just first say the obvious is Hershey's yum. Wow. You know, (laughs) (laughs) they could pay me in chocolate. (laughs) Um, I know. And I think, you know, they they, they joke about the, the, you know, the freshman 15 in college, right? I think I I put (laughs) on the Hershey 15 after I started with them. Well, that's so funny. Um, I'm an overachiever, so I gained 20. But anyway, I will say this, I have a very good friend. Um, I've known her for 20 years. Um, her husband is a relative of, of her, the Hershey's and they have a huge family reunion every other year, I believe it is in Hershey, at Hershey, in Hershey Pennsylvania at the um, at Hershey. So fun, fun, fun oh, that's life wonderful. to live. Well, Super. I think that's a great place to work. Tell me, is the culture there as wonderful as I imagine? It, it, you know, you, you would be shocked to hear that for a corporate company, you know, they really live and breathe the purpose of Milton Hershey. And, um, you know, first, first you think it was, oh, it's just, you know, marketing and, 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 you know, the corporate communications and all of that, but it's really weaved into who they are as, as a, as a corporation, you know, as, as a company with a purpose, with a mission, uh, and, you know, in every, all the employees, even in our on onboarding, you know, really make, make us understand the purpose of the Hershey company, right? Milton's Hershey, uh, chocolate company, in fact, was, you know, to provide, uh, funds to, um, support the Milton school. And a lot of people don't know that, right? That every person, wow, yeah, it's still and it's still listed this day, right? Um, there, the proceeds from the for-profit corporation goes into supporting philanthropy, and particularly the Milton School, which is a boarding school um, for underprivileged uh, children. So it's a wonderful, wonderful. Oh my gosh, uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I feel you know, good about feel all good, the chocolate. Right? I feel great I about know. the Hershey's. <laughs> And I have to tell you, folks, um, many of you listen to my show, you know, my mom has Alzheimer's and I'm her caregiver. 
the one thing she demands every time we have her over for lunch or when I'm with her is she remembers Hershey's and she demands a Hershey bar. We get her a king size Hershey bar every Sunday. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And you know, funny enough, there's so many of those kind of stories that we that we get um, in corporate communication gets all the time about, you know, the meaningfulness that you know certain indulgences and little sweets can bring to to someone right like um it, it's really incredible yeah I don't want to make the show about Hershey but I do have to say <laughs> that I lived in Switzerland I've lived you know I've traveled all over the world I've you know I'm not into the fancy chocolates just give me my Hershey you know <laughs> so it's, it's my favorite um Anyway, so let's get back to you because you're one fascinating woman. Um, I, I have a niece who works at University of California, San Diego. She too is involved in that organization you mentioned. And I would love to introduce the two of you. Um, she's a wonderful, brilliant Hispanic leader uh, at their uh, Sanford School of Business. So uh, I'll, I'll hook you up after the show. But love let's it. Get back love it. To you. This is pretty amazing what you do, both in your. Um, paid position in your volunteer time. I mean, it's beautiful how you give back, pay it forward. Uh, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment, would you say? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, I, I think I would have to step back and explain, you know, that I'm an immigrant, right? I came to this country not learning English, you know, like most, like many, many of other um, people of color in this country and immigrants, you know, you come in with the hope of um, integrating into you know, society and, and doing the best you can. So for me, you know, the proudest professional accomplishment was, you know, to end up working at one of the, you know, the top uh, biggest, um, you know, law firms in the world, right? I ended up, you know, I became a baby lawyer at, in, at Skadden Arps and it was grueling, excruciatingly hard work. But the fact that, you know, I, I made it there um, as an, you know, as an immigrant, I'm not, I'm not even a, a child of immigrants, I'm an immigrant myself, and was able to make it to the top of our legal field from a law firm perspective it was a really proud moment for my parents, you know, for, for my entire family, and, and representing, right, because I'm a big proponent, and a big advocate that representation matters, right, presence matter, right, it, it, and me being in those positions give, you know, younger children of color and women of color, you know, the, the vision that they could be there, that right. they could be that person themselves, that they could go to law school and, you know, work at these fancy New York law firms and, and make all the money that they want and represent, you know, these big clients. And, and, and if you don't see yourself in the, if you don't see someone that looks like you, that may have similar backgrounds at you, then you don't really have the opportunity to dream those big dreams right so for right. me it was that it was you know it's, it's and more not even not only for myself I'm like oh you know I'm, I'm charting I'm opening the path and I'm charting um paving the path for for others like me to to be in these positions and and that's why I'm always so involved in in the, the, the National Hispanic Bar Association you know other voluntary bars uh, because um, we're not going to increase diversity until we there's more uh, people like me right uh, pulling people up Yes, I love that. So the fact that you, you know, put this karmic journey or giving back or paying it forward, 
up there, you know, maybe as important as your paid position, if not more important, that you're leading by example and turning that dream into what could be a reality for these young people. Um, they, you know, I never thought about this because again, when I ask my white friends, when did you think about your race? They're like, huh? You know, they never had to, <laughs> right? So I'm right. going to right. white males and I'll be like, when did you first realize your race? And they're like, what do you mean, right? So in their minds, they're the standard by which everything else is set. And I try to shake that up and get them to think about what's it like to step into the shoes of someone else who can't have that privilege and say, huh, right? So I love that you're leading by example, you're living it and giving back. And I think you are lending credibility to that, you know, American dream, you can do it, you know, now that people see themselves in you. They believe they too can do it. So that's beautiful. Um, you're clearly an inspiration to so many. Um, let me ask you this. Have you had someone who is a mentor uh, or a sponsor to you who inspired you? Oh, you know, I wouldn't be where, I, where I'm at if I didn't. Um, there, there's too many to, to name. You know, at, at every stage of my career and my development, I've had, you know, men, mentors and sponsors who have, given me the um, the formula because I think that it is a formula right a formula to to make it to the next level to be able to take feedback and 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 guidance into you know where to go next you know that have taken me under the wing and be like you know Sonia me you know really look look this way right and where I would have never thought and, and a lot of, a lot of them a lot of them are allies, right? And because, you know, the yes. lack of diversity, right? There have been white men and, and who have, you know, who've seen something in me that, um, you know, may, gave them, you know, the, the you know, the, um, the push, right, to, to push me. And it's wonderful. But I have to go back and say that my number one inspirational mentor has to be my dad, right? Oh, I, I, I love think that. It, he's, yeah, he's the person who, you know, I, I, I am who I am because of him. Uh, wow. I, am who I, I am, I am where I am because of him. Right? He took our family. He took all, you know, he had at that time, you know, there's, there's, you know, I have many siblings, but at that time there were three of us and he took, you know, his family and, and brought him to this country, you know, with um, a suitcase uh, full of clothes and nothing else. Wow. And, and just a dream, right. A dream and an inspiration and a wish for something better for, for his kids. And, you know, he um, was a professional. He was an educated person in, in his country, but he, he came here with nothing to just knowing, knowing that there was no, no turning back, right? That he needed to do this for his children. And, and because he did that and because he took that step, this is why I'm here. Um, so cry. there's no one else I can't think. <laughs> there's no one else I, can, I can't think more than my family, especially my dad. And the courage that took and, and every night he puts his head on the pillow going, am I doing the right thing? Have I done the right thing? Is this the right thing? You know, how will I be welcomed? Will I be welcomed? Will they treat my children well? Oh my God. I'm like, you're, you're tapping into, I'm very much a feeler. So. <laughs> no, I am too. I am too. And I can tell you stories, you know, you, you, you know, when, when, Oh gosh, you know, th there was a time in, in school, right, when, you know, I wanted to take, let's say, a science class, because I was really science driven at the beginning of 
my years. And then, you know, the, the, um, the counselor would say, you know, maybe, you know, whole neck or, 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 you know, woodshop would be better for you. You know, this will be, this oh may be too hard. And my father, you know, with his thick accent and, you know, he would march himself into, into school and say, no, my daughter, I demand my daughter is going to take this class and you can't tell her to do this. And, and he would advocate and fight for oh all of his God, kids so they have the best story. opportunity mind you you know I was a teenager and I was super embarrassed right oh my god here comes my dad now <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but, but um but you know it takes those moments of courage right like you were mentioning it, to, to to advocate for your children and to do the best that you can and now as a parent I can't even imagine I'm even more thankful now I was thankful then but I'm even more thankful sure. in awe of all the sacrifices they did, right? Because, because now I am a parent now. His, yeah, exactly. You're in his shoes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. This, I bet you have so <laughs> many moving stories. You know, I want to invite you right here, right now. Um, every year I host an event where women get on stage and they tell their story in a TED style talk, 18 minutes or so, just to inspire and motivate and share their story, to own their story. They're not teaching anyone. They're not directing anyone. It's not a, you know, a class. It's just about the woman because far too often we don't hear their voices. People say women need to speak up. I think they're speaking up. It's just, they're not being heard. So I created yep. this event and it travels across the country. I had one in San Francisco in December 2019, we had 200 people in the room. And then it was, uh, you know, networking breakfast, then speakers, then a keynote plated lunch, and then speakers and a cocktail hour. I would love to put you on the stage at one of my upcoming events. I love it. I love it. This would be great. You have an amazing, well, first of all, your personality is warm, right? Warm and welcoming. Um, you know, I feel I could you know, connect and relate. And then when you tell these stories, they're moving and compelling and they actually are, you know, stories that so many would never even think about. Because again, if you're white, um, the privilege is built in, right? So all the operating yeah. systems are created to serve you best. Um, so yeah. I'd like to get more voices sharing the um, stories of those who, you know, have to really figure how do I fit into this? How do I, and now have the courage to say, let's change the system. And I think that's what you and I do in our work for equity. Yep. Well, you're Definitely. so amazing. I mean, I was no, crying. I have to say, I've <laughs> never had a mentor. I've never had a sponsor, but my dad was my, I mean, we were close and he always treated me as if I could do anything. And I lost him when I was 30. But um, oh, I'm sorry. It really, you touched something deep inside when you said it was your dad. So I love that. Well, let's talk about women. How is it, yes. do you think that we can support other women? Oh my gosh. Well, I, um, well for, first of all, we have to stop thinking of, of each other as competitors, right? And, and more as, right? As allies <laughs> and, 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 and soldiers in the same fight, right? We're all in it together. We're all fighting the same fight. Uh, you know, we can't think about um, that, that, you know, opening or that position or that thing, it's, it's either or, right? You know, men don't think that way. You know, men right. don't have a problem when they see, you know, I always go back and, uh, at, um, of Justice, Justice Ginsburg, right? Who says, you know, when, when will there be enough 
um, justices and says when they're benign because there were 100 years or more <laughs> yeah. of just nine men and no one seems to have a problem with it, right? It, 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 we need to shift, you know, th- that mindset that it's okay, you know, to bring, you know, most us forward and, and upward. It's, it's okay to say, hey, there should be more than one of me as opposed to, hey, I'm lucky to be the only one. Right. Um, you know, I, th- I think we need to we need to be more allies. We need to come together more. We need to think each other as, um, uh, same you know, team. members on the same team. Because otherwise, you know, no one else is going to do it, right? And look, history has shown, right? No one else is going to do it for us. Right. No one else is going to open those doors. Hey, yes, but- you have those unicorns, <laughs> right, who are helping us. Like I just mentioned some of my, you know, some of my mentors and sponsors. But, you know, generally, we have to do it for ourselves. And the only way is to work together. And I always say that, um, that, that you know, I, I always say that um, Margaret Albright, right, there, there's, a, there's a special place in, you know what, you know, for women who don't help, <laughs> who don't help other women. Right. <laughs> I you don't know if I can say hell on the podcast. Show. Yeah. And, um, but I, I truly believe it. I truly live it. And so I try in every opportunity, right? If someone contacts me for a, uh, you know, let's have a, you know, before COVID, right? Let's go have a coffee so I can take your brain on how to strategize my next career move or something. I'm like, why? That's my, I have to do it, right? It's the only way that we're going to increase the numbers, right? It's the only way we're going to break the glass ceiling someday. It's the only way we're going to increase um, the pipeline and the diversity and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you tell this yeah. story and it's, it's my, my number one piece of advice to women is to collaborate and don't compete. And instead of clawing at each other for one or two spots at the top, let's claw the operating system so that we can create more spots at the top, right? So it's not about competing mm-hmm. against each other. It's about changing the status quo. Um, I teach exactly. something called muted group theory And it talks about operating systems serve best those who created them in their own language. So as we know, corporate America was created by white males. And so for those of us, women and other minorities who are not white males, we struggle to navigate in that system. So instead of trying to become like white males to be successful, which is what we all did in the 90s, I'm older than you. So in the Mm -hmm. 90s, we were told mimic the men if you wanna succeed. And I'm like, heck no, change the system and let me be me. Change the system, exactly. And you've seen seen that shift, right? I I was having that conversation with someone, um, you know, comparing the way women have shifted that mentality to the way we need to shift that mentality as people of color, right? Because I I, I mentioned that saying, look, women were ones, you you know, I I got into the market, into the um, working world, right as it was changing, right? When, when there was, you know, you have to dress more androgynous, you have to wear the, um, the male right. looking suit, you have to like, you know, everything feminine about you, you have to tone it down. And I'm like, you still can't get rid of the elephant in the room. I'm still a woman, right? There's no <laughs> way I can like, um, <laughs> but, uh, but then that evolved, right? That changed. And, and now you see powerful women in dresses and heels, you know, showing more of their personalities. Right. And that's kind of like the same thing I advocate now 
from an authenticity perspective for people of color, right? Yeah, so so the same way it's male driven and in, in the architecture of society, right? It's, it's, it's by men for men. The same thing it is for white male, you know, designed and for white male, but that doesn't mean you have to lose your authentic self and become that person, right? So I think that from a generational perspective, we see it, you know, I can be my authentic self from a, from the a gender perspective and from a, a race ethnicity perspective. Perspective, I don't, you know, there's no reason now to hide or to, you know, tone down who you are, right? Because now you could otherwise, then you're just, you know, playing in the system as opposed to changing the system, just like how you were saying it. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I just think that it's so important. So, for example, in the 90s, I was a VP at a, at a multi-billion dollar, actually, they have like $8 trillion in custody. So it's the world's, one of the world's largest banks, right? So <clears throat> institutional investors, all the people who are higher up were white males, um, you know, um, initials on their cufflinks and on their French cuff shirts, <laughs> and, you know, and here I was coming in, um, I had a VP position pretty high up. And I would wear my, you know, red suit or my high heels or some jewelry. And they literally asked me to um, do something with my big hair. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, so I'm from New Orleans. And frankly, we we like our jewelry and our makeup and our big hair and our yeah. and all. And I looked at it, I was like, what is big hair? <laughs> what are you what talking you about? <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, what? And then I actually was told I should go. Now, this is back in the day in the 90s. Talbot sold only brown, gray, navy blue, black. It, yeah. was, it was like menswear yeah. for women back then. So um, right. I literally was told you should go to Talbot's and pick out a more conservative oh wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not going to speak ill of the company because it's a remarkable company and they do of wonderful. Course. You know, they have come a long way too. They fight hard yeah, yeah. for women. Um, but at the time I was like, I am, no matter how hard you try, I'm never going to be a man in this company. You know, um, I am who I am. So right, they actually right. asked me to lower my voice a little bit, you know, because my tone of voice was too ha happy, you know, too. Lovely. Oh, I've had that. They've, I, I've been told that. I've been told, um, you know, you're too peppy. You're not going to be taken seriously. Oh, can you tone it down? Because I'm, you know, I, I, I always say that, you know, I've had, I've been blessed with, um, with the brown, you know, Latino skin, which, um, you know, makes us always look a little younger than what, than what we are. And they'd be like, you know, can you tone that down a bit? You know, can wow. you not speak so loud? And I'm like, I, I can't, can you not talk with your hands? I'm like, oh, you're going to have to tie me up because I can't not, I'm like, if you tie me up, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So I'm Italian and we talk with our hands too. So I, <laughs> I love your story. It's so, well, first of all, you've brought me to tears of, you know, all kinds, all kinds of tears, the good ones, the, the, the sorrowful ones, the, the, you know, you're a great storyteller. Um, you're exactly what the world needs to hear and, and, and understand the difference between why make Sonia fit in to the white man's world when just allow the system to uh, encourage people to belong, be curious about the other and 
you know, embrace, not just tolerate, because I hate that word. That's awful to tolerate differences. Embrace right. differences. We should absolutely embrace differences. You are funny. You're delightful. You're a great storyteller. This is, this is, my cheeks are burning from laughing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So thank you. Likewise. Yeah. This, has been, this has been so fun. Um, yeah. Well, but yeah, you know, ask... one, one of the, yeah, tell go me, ahead. Tell me. No, um, the one thing I wanted to say is, you know, I, I, when, when they ask me questions about diversity, right? And, yeah. and I said, well, if you want diversity, it's not diversity of just, you know, putting a crayon and coloring people, right? And, and, right. and say, oh, look, I have a, a, a Indian person or a Hispanic person or a Black person. You want diversity of thought. And right. how you're going to bring diversity of thought is you're going to have to, you know, make those people comfortable to be who they are. And if they, and, right. you know, you're hiring them for who they are. And if, that's it. That's great because that brings diversity of thought, diversity of style, diversity of background. Otherwise, you're just having you know cookie cutters of the same person just happen to be different shades. You know, exactly. So, uh, well, uh, yeah. We, we talk about the difference between diversity and inclusivity, and we talk about how um, I have another company. This 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 podcast has nothing to do with what I do for a living. This is what I do for a giving. But in my other company we talk about the importance or maybe more importance of inclusivity because what has happened over the last 10 or 12 years is companies have been just checking the box, hiring the numbers right. quantitatively. You know, we need four women, we need two black people and an Asian person, right? So how meaningful is that for them? Not very, right? They get paraded around on pitch teams or they're put on the website yep. or the brochure, but are they getting the stretch assignments? Are they being paid fairly? Um, so that's my work is about inclusivity. So I do a lot of that. And we talk a lot about, you know, diversity is what we know, but inclusivity is what we do. And it's time to close Absolutely. that knowing doing gap. Yeah. A yeah. wonderful, a and wonderful. Much needed. That analogy with the colors, that, that's wonderful, the, color, the coloring book. Um, exactly, exactly. So your work is not done fine, sir, just because you, you hired a bunch of women of color. You're not. No, no way, because it's attrition. Like you were just, you were, you know, you were getting to that, uh, that um, look, we haven't moved the needle in 10 years, right? Or 15 years, I don't even know how right, long. Right. And, and these diversity initiatives have been around since I started you know, in my career, and they haven't um, increased, I think, in part, because we don't have the, the, the inclusion part wasn't, you know, weaved into the equation. So you, you know, you bring them in, then you don't mentor them, you don't give them the stretch assignments, you don't make them feel comfortable. And guess what? Shocking, you know, they're going to leave. Then you it's have, a, then you have, worse. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, totally. it's almost like, um, you know, it's one thing to not be, well, we use that analogy. It's bad not to be invited to the party, but it's worse to be invited and no one asks you to dance, right? Right. right. So, well, let me ask you personally, what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Uh, gosh, you know, too many to count, right? I can't, I can't, I can't be as old as I am without having said that. <laughs> but one, one of the big ones, um, you know, for me was, you know, when, you know, weaving, weaving between two worlds, right? Because I am, I am, you know, not born in the United States. I do, you know, I do speak another language. That's my first language in trying to 
maybe at the beginning, not so much now, you know, weave in and out of both worlds, right? Now I'm just that one person um, all the time, <laughs> for, right. whether you like it or not, right? And just like right. before, it was, it was, it was that challenge. It, it, it was, you know, the authenticity Your aspect. Identity. I, yeah. I, I, I struggled, I struggled a great deal with it at the beginning of my career. Um, you know, the expectation to be a certain way, Who am uh, I which, today? which was, yeah, which was crippling from, from a, from a confidence perspective. Sure. It was crippling. Like I wasn't confident with myself. You know, I was, you know, did I talk too fast? Did I, like I was mentioned, did I talk too loud? Did I, you know, was I with my, was my accent too thick? Did I, am I going to be taken seriously? Am I going to be dismissed because of my person? It was all awful, but yeah. gosh, I would never want to go back to my, <laughs> my twenties or I was going to say, you know, part of that is yeah. being a woman, imposter syndrome, worrying all the time. Am I good enough? Another part of that is age, right? In our 20s and 19s mm-hmm. and so forth. My, um, you know, we all have those insecurities. But another part of that is, it, you know, quadrupled by the fact that you had, you know, these two identities and, and who am I now? And, and how do I balance that or integrate better yet, integrate? How do I integrate all of who I am and present that person to the world by loving myself first and then sharing that person with the world? Um, I think you yeah. done a great and job. Be, thank you. And being judged harshly, right, or harder than, let's say, you know, a white male or even a white female, right? Right. And and having to work that much harder and having to have an armor all the time, right? And but it, 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 age and wisdom and accomplishments—I don't even know—like a combination of everything, kind of like you know what? And the intensive change, right? And right. Um, but. It's- we still have work to do, but um, you're lot. telling a your lot. story helps, right? So I will say this, that a woman in your position, I would imagine, I know I'm a white woman and I went through a lot of this. So I would imagine for you, it was even a bigger challenge where you're like, do I compromise who I am and behave as the white male wants me to behave in corporate America so I can succeed? Or do I stick to being my authentic self and run the risk of not succeeding? Um you managed to do you and still succeed. So bravo to you. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, but it hasn't been easy. It, it has not been easy, you know, in, 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 in understanding when to walk away, right? When, when, when the situation arises, when, where That's the part you're I not have being a hard judged. time with. <laughs> yeah. You know, right, it's so right. funny you say that because I, um, I won't get into details, but I'll say when I started my own business, I found a a letter of resignation from a prior position that I wrote three months after I started. So I knew it was not for me, right? I didn't belong there. I wasn't made to feel like I belonged. In fact, I was made to feel like I did not belong. And I knew it. And I wrote this letter of resignation and my well-intentioned, loving, wonderful partner and husband, a white man, you know, to the to the gills. I mean, like he's everything (laughs) I've had to teach him how not to be so, you know, (laughs) hierarchical in his leadership. And, you know, you know, that's just not, um, collaborative, you know, like teaching him transformational leadership. 
he encouraged me to stay and we can know why, right? The money, right? So <laughs> of course, I, <laughs> you and I, Sonia, are purpose-driven women, right? We're, we, and you, you work clearly for a purpose-driven company, although they make profits thanks to people like me. Um, <laughs> you're welcome, Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that um, he's come around. He's very much a purpose-driven leader. But I look back at that letter and I see the date on it. And I say, wow, I endured another year where I didn't belong. I didn't feel happy. I didn't, I, di I should not have been there, right? Um, I didn't have the power to change that system by any means. But um, if I had known if I had had the courage, like what you were talking about, a part of it is age and wisdom and so forth. If I had the courage to go ahead and, you know, submit and walk away and trust the universe, right? Um, you know, I, I might be someplace else and I'm very happy where I am now. So it all worked out. But I think what you talk about is as much as it's a struggle for me, um, women of color, they wouldn't even have been able to put together that letter of resignation like that would be a bold move i don't think they yes. have the luxury to even think about leaving right so um, right. i right. recognize that and i i recognize that for sure well i'm gonna ask you a surprising fact you have a choice you have a choice so <laughs> tell me <laughs> you can tell us i'm scared <laughs> be a little bit afraid but not too much um you can tell us a surprising fact about you, or you can let me ask you a wild card question. Um, I have a box of 144 very meaningful questions, some more meaningful than others. Uh, so if you're game, I'll pull a, a card from the wild card question box, or you can tell us something surprising about you. Mm, I don't know. You can, why don't you choose? You can pull, you, if you wanna pull the, um, a wild card question, go ahead. I will do that. And I want to say, folks, that is a woman of courage right there. So the fact that she went for the wild card question means that she knows herself, loves herself, and is willing and ready to share herself with the world. So that said, let me see what question we pull. Okay. I'm a little scared. <laughs> oh, this is an easy, fun one. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, this is, you got this. What is a skill or a talent that you wish you had? I wish public speaking would come naturally to me. Oh my goodness. It seems like it does. I teach that, right? I teach that and you? you're amazing. Yeah. I oh my gosh. Yeah, well, that that's my, I've always felt that it's my Achilles heel, right? Um, and, and cause I see these, obviously, you know, Barack Obama is like a once in a century type of person, right? But, but typically you know, I, I know him by the way, but these, yeah. Go do ahead. you really oh yeah okay yeah. we'll have a different conversation later about that because so, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> he's awesome and you're right you're right about that he's amazing <laughs> he's amazing and you know I watch pet talks and I watch this and that and and I'm like gosh I wish I would be so confident in in the way these people express themselves and they talk and they're so poised and they get just so fluid and you know that is a skill that I have worked on very, well, clearly very, you've very mastered hard. It. You're Thank you. Oh my gosh, you're too nice. <laughs> but I really, it, it does not come, like, the one-on-one -on -one conversations, you know, I'm, I'm, as you can tell from my personality, I'm an extrovert, I'm a people person. 
I, I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when you kind of get up on stage, right, and, and all the lights are on you, it, it's not that I'm afraid to talk, and, and but it's, it's, I wish I were better at it. But I've worked this last couple of years tremendously hard in being a better uh, communicator and all that kind of, in those settings, right? And one-on-one settings, I think I'm perfectly much, I feel more comfortable. Uh, but there's I'm some people who just, it looks, oh, well, thank you. And, but it, it, it looks, it comes so natural to some people, right? And um, for me, it, at least it appears. Sonia, it's not natural for most people. I can get on the stage and talk to 5,000 people without being prepared, no script, anything. And I'm going to tell you why, or at least partly why, at least I think this is partly why. When I was 18, I had done some research and work and written a paper on nuclear disarmament. And my paper won awards and, you know, my teacher, my professor was like, wow, I want you to present this to the class, da, da, da. And I'm a great writer, you know, but I didn't know what kind of public speaker I was. I never thought about it. You know, you're 18, you don't do any public speaking. Nobody puts you on a stage at 18. So I thought it was just gonna be my class. And he asked me to stand up and present my paper and my findings and all this to my class. But he had invited other people from the department and other classes, right? So the, it was mm. one of those 300 people in the room. And I'm serious <laughs> when I tell you, I stood up and I, you know, said the title of my paper, and then I threw up in the trash can. <laughs> I was so nervous. It was horrible. And I, and, it, and basically, you know, the title of my paper was something about nuclear disarmament. Right when I finished the title, I threw up. So oh my God. talk about nothing can get you after that. If you can make it through that, you can speak, you know, like I'm not nervous at all anymore if I live through that, you know. So that story should help you and just say, well, at least I'm not Susan. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't thrown up in a garbage can. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'll well, I'm that, happy I'll to help that right you. Before, right before I get on stage. I'll yeah, that. I, I'll help you, um, <laughs> you know, overcome your fears, embrace the pauses, eliminate the ahs and the ums, and um, it, it'll mm -hmm, be fun. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, so love you it. have been a really great, great, wonderful, fun guest. I'm sure people are going to want to connect with you. How can they reach you if they want to know more about you? Um, LinkedIn. So, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm there. I, I, I tend to um, post things quite often and I check it regularly. So connect with me on Good. LinkedIn. More than happy um, to chat offline with anyone who wants to have a conversation. Awesome. Honestly, truly. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Well, first of all, I've invited you to be a speaker on stage at my event. So we're going to have to work on you and make sure you're I ready. love it. Second of all, yes. you have been such a great guest. I mean, truly compelling, wonderful, just an amazing person. It has been fun. Yeah, Thank you. I try to keep it fun. But I think that that, you know, I can't control that. That just it's a natural, you know, you connect or you don't connect. And I think we connected. So this was great. Um, folks, you know, those of you who listen regularly that I'll write a blog about Sonia and I'll put it up on my website in about a week and a half. We'll have her headshot bio and the pictures of her that tell her story. So send me any pictures, Sonia, um, that you would like me to share uh, about your Sounds life, good. what you do when you're not working, maybe you at work, whatever, you know, you want to um, communicate to the public. And then I'll also put your LinkedIn link to your profile in the blog. Um, so thank Perfect. you so much. You've been awesome. Thank you.
All right. Thank Have you. a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.